All right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are doing Creed 2. Uh, it's a movie that I didn't even think we would actually get around to. Uh, we obviously missed it back in the theater, uh, but it just came out on VOD, and I thought it would be a great conversation to have, especially because I got connected with this guy, Sean Malloy, who has a podcast called I Must Break This Podcast that is uh, dedicated to the work of Dolph Lundgren. So uh, it made total sense to actually uh, get together with Sean and do an episode on Creed 2. Um, and if you don't know what Creed 2 is, it is, of course, the sequel to 2015's Creed. And at the same time, it's a sequel to Rocky IV. Uh, it continues, probably ends Sylvester Stallone's uh, run as Rocky in these movies, um, although the door is open for more. But it also, of course, continues the story of Adonis Creed, played by Michael B. Jordan. And uh, it's, a, it's a solid sequel. And we had a great time talking about it. Uh, before we do jump into the conversation, as always, I want to remind you all to please, if you are not already, make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together, and also make sure to follow us on social media at PiecingPod. So with that said, let's jump into the conversation. All right, so today on the show, we're doing Creed 2, and you know, this is a movie that I might not have done on the show, especially since it came out a couple months ago. It's now out on Blu-ray. Um, but the reason I wanted to do it is because I found this guy, Sean Malloy, who has a podcast dedicated to Dolph Lundgren. It's called I Must Break This Podcast, which is a great name. Sean, thanks for being here. Hey, thank you very much. Thank you for the great intro there. That was awesome. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've been waiting to say that because I just think it's so great. <laughs> no, well, it's definitely it's definitely been a labor of love for the past uh, for the past year. And um, when when I first started it up, it was kind of like, am I really going to do this? Like, is this I mean, is, is there enough out there? And he has had an extremely impressive career. And it's it's really kind of wild how I, I said this on one of my episodes, how um, the planets kind of aligned in a weird way. Um, you know, he was pretty much working exclusively in the direct to video era. And then uh, mm -hmm. here I am, um, you know, doing this show. And he has this momentous year in 2018 where he has these two giant blockbuster movies where he's back on the big screen. I, a lot of people thought, you know, well, you planned it this way. And I honestly didn't. I, I think it happened. At, at such a, <laughs> it's such an amazing time. Yeah. I, I don't know if you listened to my Aquaman episode, but I love that movie. And I think he's so great in it. Um, oh, he's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. Absolutely perfect. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, let's just give the the people listening since your first time on the show a little bit more about you and who you are and why you started your podcast and you know what the podcast is all about. You know, obviously Dolph Lundgren, but you know. Uh, yeah. So yeah, my name is Sean, uh, as you established. Um, and yeah, let's see. Uh, I must break this podcast started up in. Um, <clears throat> September of 2017, I want to say. And I just kind of, I kind of started it in a weird way. I know this sounds a little uh, cliche and cheesy to say, but it's kind of like a, a love letter to, uh, <laughs> to, to my favorite action hero of all time, um, who, who is Dolph Lundgren. You know, when I was, uh, let's see, I was about five, six years old when I first saw Masters of the Universe. And if you can go back mm -hmm. that far, I mean, you know, th this is, you know, pre internet, pre, I mean, we had superheroes on screen. But, um, you know, around that time, it, they, they weren't as prevalent as they are nowadays. And so, sure. you know, I was a big He-Man fan. I mean, He-Man, my God, Masters of the Universe, that was everything. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, I distinctly remember seeing that movie in theaters. And I had no idea who Lundgren was or anything like that. Because at that, at that time, at that point, I, had, I hadn't seen uh, Rocky IV, which I think is what he was, he was best known as around that time. And so seeing him on screen, I mean, that was... He was playing my hero. And so as a kid, I started following his career subsequently onward from that point. Um, and, you know, checking out everything that he had done. It's kind of wild. Uh, in my Universal Soldier episode, I talked about it. Um, Universal Soldier was actually the very first rated R movie I ever saw in theaters. I was about 10 nice. years old. And I remember uh, my parents took me to it because they knew that I was a huge Dolph fan, which is kind of, uh, kind of ironic when you think about it. Because here he is in He-Man playing just the ultimate do-gooder. And then in Universal Soldier, yeah. he's this 
completely uh, bigoted psychopath. Uh, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I just started following his career onward, and I started thinking about it. You know, there's tons of uh, uh, tribute podcasts out there. Um, but there wasn't one on Lundgren, and I honestly feel, and I'm, maybe I'm a little biased in this, but I honestly feel that um, that Dolph Lundgren has had the, has easily, in my opinion, had the most fascinating career. When you compare him with all of the other, um, all the other big action guys who got their start like in the '80s and the '90s, I just think his career has has spanned um, so much and gone through so much. So I kind of decided to um, go in chronological order. Uh, analyzing every one of his films and um i have a guest on with me uh, each episode and we we break down pun intended of course um, but we uh we break down one of his films um and uh just really you know take a look at each film and it was actually kind of wild because as i as i was kind of starting onto this project and you know going through each of the films i started reaching out to many of the uh many of the individuals who have worked with uh, Lundgren over the years. And so it was really rewarding in a sense because, I mean, you know how it is when you, when you open one door, suddenly that opens the door to other individuals and everything. Um, and so, yeah, I've gotten, uh, you know, if you check out the show, I've gotten some, I've been extremely uh, blessed to have such wonderful interviews. I've gotten to talk with them, um, actors who, who've worked with uh, Lundgren over the years. Uh, uh, quite a few directors have gotten to speak with them. Uh, one of my most recent interviews was I got to speak with Tony Messenger, who is uh, Lundgren's go-to stunt double. He's stunt doubled for him in uh, over 15 different projects. And so wow. it's really been a, uh, it's really been a labor of love and it's been a ton of fun. We're currently in uh, the, we're in the direct to video era, obviously. Um, but we're in the uh, 1998, 99 or so when he was, like I said, exclusively direct to video, but there are some, uh, th there are some diamonds in the rough in that period that uh, not many people know about, but are, but are worth checking out. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, everybody's got, you know, jokes about him and all, but I mean, he, there's no denying the career this guy has had. Um, he's been in so much and so many classic roles. And I mean, you kind of can't walk through a, you know, a Walgreens without seeing one of his DVDs somewhere, you know, they're just, uh, oh, yeah. they're just everywhere. They're absolutely everywhere. Um, so that that's great. And I'd say let's uh, let's jump in. Um, and I just wanted to mention ahead of time that I don't have a lot of puzzle pieces. We talked about this beforehand. Uh, I don't think either of us really have a ton of puzzle pieces on this one, but it will be a fun conversation anyway. And we'll stu still uh, you know go through our puzzle pieces as usual. So uh, with that said, why don't we go ahead with your first puzzle piece? Uh, yeah, so <laughs> my, my, mine's a bit of a cop out. I, I think it's kind of a cheat, um, but but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, my first puzzle piece is Rocky Three. I okay. think you know, um, <laughs> and I like I said, I know that's a bit of a cheat, but it, it's really kind of interesting to me when you think about it. You know, I anytime you have a sequel or a spinoff for that matter. I mean, this film Creed Two, it's a spinoff, but it's also a sequel, largely one to Rocky Four. If you really think about it. Mm -hmm. um, but but what's so interesting to me about it is it is pretty much I mean it, it's kind of like it's kind of Mad Libs in a weird way it's almost like Sylvester Stallone and all the other writers who are working on this project pretty much had Rocky Three as being the blueprint for this film and they were just pretty much plucking out various characters and you know settings and just um, putting in the characters of Creed Two into that blueprint because I mean if you look at Rocky Three and compare it to Creed Two. It is essentially, in so many ways, the, the same story. You know, in Rocky Three, you had uh, Rocky losing the quote unquote eye of the tiger and having to uh, having to <laughs> get trained by Apollo Creed into mm -hmm. uh, you know some uh, you know a different form of boxing that he was not familiar with in order to um, get the eye of the tiger back in order to um, beat the opponent who caused him to, uh, to, to lose the belt. And here we have in Creed two, it was kind of wild to me and I loved Creed two. Don't get me wrong, but it was wild to me how it pretty much follows that exact story arc and character arc for the full two hours. So, yeah, no, it's absolutely true. Um, and I, I haven't seen those first few Rockies in quite a while. I, I rewatched them, uh, right before Rocky Balboa, uh, came out. Um, that that was the last time I've seen any of those early ones. Uh, so it's not quite that fresh to me. But yeah, absolutely. I've 
I remember, uh, I remember that, that basic, that, that, that basic, uh, story arc is there. It's there with, with Rocky and now with Creed. And I wonder, um, you know, I wonder if that's completely intentional, like, uh, trying to parallel, uh, you know, their stories or if it's, if it's more of just like, oh, we got to do a sequel, uh, that worked before. Let's, you know, let's do it again. Um, I, I'm not quite sure which one it is, but I would say that it's, you know, it's absolutely effective though, because, uh, you know, it's definitely, you, you got to see where he's going to go after the first Creed. And I mean, it's a pretty tried and true, uh, path for a character to take. Yeah, no. And, you know, in answer to your uh, to your to your question, I think it's 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 certainly it seems like it's a combination of both of mm-hmm. those. You know, I'm, I honestly think, you know, yeah, I mean, let, let's face it. The Rocky formula is a formula that has worked for well over 40 years. So I don't think mm-hmm. they are going to <laughs> I don't think they're going to completely uproot that and flip that and change that. They may take a few chances, obviously, like any franchise will. Um, but yeah, I think, I honestly think when they were writing this, they saw that that was a formula that worked in, uh, that, that worked in Rocky three and they decided, um, let's try it in the Creed universe. And like you said, I think it, it, it certainly fits and it is a natural progression from where, uh, the, from where Creed from, uh, 2015's Creed left off. Cause if you remember that one left off, granted, he did not win that fight at the end, but we could see that he was having this rise um to the top so it only makes sense that the sequel is going to continue with that where of course he is going to be at the top um his uh his his belt his integrity his just overall talent is going to be questioned and uh and and challenged once again and he's going to have to prove himself um like I said, it, it worked in Rocky three. So it only makes sense that it works in this one, but it was just really kind of interesting. I mean, if you think about it in Rocky three, once uh, Rocky loses the eye of the tiger, he's picked up by, uh, by Apollo Creed. And he's, um, he, he's brought into Apollo Creed's world where, where, <laughs> where Apollo teaches him, um, the style of boxing that maybe he is not familiar with. And then here in Creed two, we have once, uh, once Adonis loses the eye and uh, he decides to uh, challenge uh, Victor Drago once again, or take that, take that fight. Where does Rocky take him? Well, he takes him to the desert for him to kind of get his mojo back. So (laughs) I I just thought that was, uh, that was interesting. And I kind of had, when when the film was, uh, it had been shot and everything, but when I saw the trailers and everything, I, it was kind of weird because I kind of had an idea that that's where it was going to be going. Just a lot of the scenes and everything that they were showing in the trailer. Mm. It it seemed kind of telegraphed that that's where it was going to go, but I'm not going to lie. I still had a ton of fun with it, even though I knew where it was going to go story beat wise. Sure. I still had a ton of fun with it. Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, we're talking about the boxing and uh, I'm going to focus on the boxing with my first puzzle piece. Uh, so I, I gotta say that I still, uh, think that the first Creed is some of the best boxing I've seen in a movie. Um, I think, uh, Ryan Coogler, the, the way that he, uh, directed those fights is, uh, just absolutely fantastic and, and just raw and, uh, exciting. Um, and, and the boxing is still good in this one. Um, but as far as a comparison boxing wise, I felt, uh, I felt like Southpaw um is a pretty good uh comparison to the way that these boxing scenes were shot uh that's the the movie starring jake gyllenhaal that uh just came out a few years ago and um it's definitely a little bit more uh visceral and gritty um which is cool um but i you know again i think that uh while it it still works really well and it's still got some pretty cool stuff in in the boxing scenes you know it nothing is as quite as showy as what Ryan Coogler was doing. And I think that for, um, you know, for something with the boxing, you know, the Rocky legacy, uh, you know, the showiness uh, of how Coogler was doing it in the first Creed, uh, you know, was really appropriate. Uh, whereas this one, it, you know, it was good. Um, but the boxing, like I said, a little more just, uh, you know, kind of raw, but not in a, not in as much of an exciting way. Uh, so yeah, Southpaw is my first puzzle piece. Yeah, that that you know, I I, cer- I certainly can see that as well. You know, the one thing I will say regarding the boxing scenes in this film um, is, is they they certainly seem much more realistic than 
Uh, I mean, if you take this film, if you take Creed two and compare it with, uh, let's see, Rocky three and Rocky four, and you compare it in terms of their boxing sequences, mm-hmm. I would say that the sequences in this one are are certainly much more realistic sure. and 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 grounded. You know, as much fun as I have with Rocky four, I love Rocky four. But if you if you watch it, it's amazing to me. It, it's uh, and I, t- I talked about this on my Rocky Four episode. But um, I honestly think Rocky Four is more of an action movie than it is a boxing movie. Right. Yeah. I mean, it it just it. it, it I mean, and, and it parallels Stallone's career uh, perfectly because at this point, you know, in Stallone's career, he was more of an action star anyway. Um, but but that's a that's a whole other subject. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, what I was thinking is if you if you watch Rocky Four, um. You know, the, the boxing sequences, as exciting as they are, they are never guiding their, or excuse me, they are never guarding their face. They never have their, <laughs> have their fists up. And, uh, and Rocky is just taking just such, uh, wide swings. such just such wide throws and everything to where it's like, it, it's almost like, did they even watch any boxing matches at all <laughs> to get, uh, to, you know, to get into the headspace of, uh, of, of where they're at. Whereas opposed to, I think Creed two that, you know, that they are taking the stances of real fighters. Right. I mean, and I'm not a boxing expert. Um, but I mean, they are, you know, you can tell that they actually did train, um, with with actual fighters because like i said the stances and just the overall um hits that they are taking and the punches that they're throwing it all looks real i i don't want to say and i probably should back up um i'm not discrediting uh mr stallone or or <laughs> mr lundgren for their performances in uh in rocky four because they were both just in such in phenomenal shape but um if you're going to look at these stories as boxing movies i would say that creed 2 um, it feels much more like a realistic boxing drama than Rocky four has any right to be. So. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's probably why I watch more boxing movies than I do watch boxing. Um, <laughs> because you know, it's more showy and cinematic in a lot of those, uh, a lot of those other movies, whereas yeah. this is so much uh, more realistic. <laughs> but how, but, but how amazing is it? I mean, and I, and this is one of the things that I just I love and I appreciate so much about Creed Two. I mean, because if you look at the Rocky, I mean, let, let's be perfectly honest. And obviously, I, you know, I'm the guy with the Dolph Lundgren podcast, so um, uh, I'm a, I'm a little biased as well, you know. But um, if you look at the Rocky franchise and the Rocky series, you know, Rocky One and Two were pretty grounded and pretty realistic. But by the time you get to Rocky Four. I mean, Rocky Four is just a full-on cartoon comic book movie. I mean, e- e- even Rocky Balboa, the character of Balboa, doesn't even seem like the same character. I mean, the film is just more of a of a goofy fantasy yeah. and everything. And so, one of the things that I love about Creed Two is that where a lot of franchises, I mean, let's face it, we see this a lot with a lot of franchises. If there's a if there's a film within the canon within the series that is not regarded too highly, they will just kind of excise that from the from the canon Mm. and ignore it and pretend that it didn't happen (laughs) you know what i mean and the one thing that i have to appreciate about uh about this new one is the fact that they are they're 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 making it it's kind of the thread if you will it's the it's the the one that kind of links rocky four to the entire to the entire series if that makes sense and they're kind of grounding it in this new in this new reality for this new generation where suddenly you can look at it and it doesn't in a weird way, it doesn't seem as ridiculous as it once did. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, absolutely. Absolutely. That makes sense. And, and uh, to your point, uh, they just like removed like five or six Halloween movies uh, to get to the new ones. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'll get rid of them. Yeah. They'll just strike them from the record. (laughs) Um, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> right on. Uh, so, what is your next puzzle piece? Um, th- this one is a. <laughs> you and I were talking about this. Th- this was a tough movie to come up with puzzle pieces on. Um, but the next one, I have to say, this is a this is a bit of a lame one, and it's been a long time since I've seen this film. Uh, but, but the Disney animated movie, The Sword in the Stone. Mm-mm. Uh, and, and I realize that is, that is kind of a, a cheesy one to do. Um, but just, you know, the whole idea of, um, well, in, in, in sword in the stone, it was, um, it was Arthur, I believe when he was, a when he was a young boy. Yeah. Um, but just the whole theme of, 
you know, a young adult trying to, and I, I guess Adonis Creed is not a young adult. He is a man. Um, but, you know, just the, the idea of someone um, feeling that they have a legacy that they need to live up sure. to and trying to, um, trying to attain that um, where, where everyone is, you know, doubting them and everything. I mean, that, that's a theme that we've, we've seen carried out through, through dozens of stories and, uh, and, and films um, over, over, you know, the past century. But, for some reason, when I was watching that, I, when I was watching Creed two, I just kind of felt that it was tapping into what, um, what, what Disney had, had done in the, uh, in the seventies with, uh, with that particular film. No, that, that's a good one. Um, I, I actually had a note written down, uh, living up to the legacy, um, uh, but I hadn't really connected it with any movie. So I, you know, Sword in the Stone is, is certainly a good enough one to, uh, connect with that, that particular note. Um, and yeah, absolutely. That is a big part of this. N- not only his his family name, but also to Rocky uh, as well, to living up to Rocky. Uh, so I mean, that living up to to the challenge that that is like a major driving force for this guy. And uh, you know, it's it's a classic story. It's absolutely a classic story. And in in Sword in the Stone, you know, you have young Arthur who really doesn't. He's a little he's a little unsure of himself. He doesn't really know his his place in the world and where he belongs and you know what he should do. Um, and I, I for some reason I just felt. I mean, if you think about it, that's the Adonis character. I mean, he is the. I mean, he is the illegitimate child of a uh, of of a you know of a deceased prize fighter and you know, he never really got to know his dad. So, you know, here you have the same thing. He doesn't know his place. He feels he needs to live up to this, this individual who he's never met, who he's only seen in photographs mm-hmm. and videos. I just, uh, I, I thought the parallels there were, were, were pretty Absolutely. striking. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a great one. Um, so right on my next puzzle piece, um, is the star Wars series. Um, and the reason why is because in this world of Rocky, it seems like uh, if it continues to go on, which uh, most likely it will, it seems like everybody is going to be, there's going to be fathers and sons. There's going to be legacies to live up to. There's going to be, uh, you know, constantly fleshing out these connections between people in this this large world of characters that are all connected um and star wars every time you know there's always another character who is probably so-and-so's son or so-and-so's daughter or so-and-so's you know uncle and it's always uh it's always very uh family based in the drama and in uh the character development and um you know, there's certainly other examples of this. Um, I mean, even in the Bible and stuff like that. But, uh, it, you know, it's all over. But Star Wars uh, certainly is one where uh, I've always found it to be, um, you know, kind of kind of interesting, kind of funny a little bit that they are constantly going there where it's like always it's always got to be a family member somewhere along the line that continues the story for that other character. That's interesting. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the, the whole, you know, the fact that they are, you know, that they're going to most likely going to do another sequel to this. You know, I, I will say right now, I honestly felt out of all of, if you take a look at out of all of the Rocky films, this had the best ending. I, I felt it had the best ending for Adonis. It had a great ending for the Dragos and it had a spectacular ending for, uh, for Rocky Balboa and his son. So, I mean, I got to be honest, I am going to be, I'm completely 100% okay if they decide to make this the end for the entire franchise. I really don't, I really, I really don't know where they can go at this point. You know, we were talking about this on, on my episode when we talked about Creed 2 back in December. Uh, you know, it's, I mean, the only way, the only direction I can personally see this series going that I would actually be happy with is if they made it a spinoff of the Dragos. Mm. If they went back to the Ukraine or to Russia and they make Victor Drago the protagonist and just showing how what what he is doing with his life and the decisions that he is making. But I, I think at this point, I don't know if we certainly don't need to see any more of Rocky. I, I mean, I think he he put a re- nice button and a nice cap on the entire on the entire series. I think he even in his uh, in Sylvester Stallone's various social media feeds and everything, I think he pretty much proclaimed that this is the end, but then again, sure. <laughs> stranger things have happened, so <laughs> you never know. Um, but when it comes to Adonis, I think uh, 
I'm 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 okay with this being the closure, with this being the end yeah. for his character. Um, but if they were gonna if they were gonna continue, I personally, again, I'm, I'm some the Dolph guy, obviously, but I I think I think Drago, out of all the characters, I think he has a yeah. story to tell, and I could I would love to see that continuing if they're gonna go that way. I don't know though. I mean, uh, well, I think uh, unfortunately, I think uh, Victor Drago is way too mean looking to be the uh, the hero of 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 a new movie. <laughs> um, I can't just picture that, but uh, <laughs> I do think that's definitely where the interesting story would be uh, if they were to continue it. I I don't you know I don't know that I really want to see more about Adonis. I you know Tessa Thompson's a great actress. I I don't want the story to turn into a music story or something like that and start following her character. Um, but, and yeah, and Stallone, I mean, Stallone's done with this role. I mean, he's going to finish up uh, Rambo pretty soon. And uh, you know, I think he's putting caps on everything. Although I will say, and one of my, my biggest beefs with this movie is that they didn't have a resolution for his street light at the end. Did, did you notice that? I, mean, I know. I know that should have been the very last moment <laughs> I, and of I, the movie. I, I don't know why they didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was really surprised about that as well. As I would have actually been okay. How cool would it have been if if the film ended where um, he is outside of his his house in Philadelphia and the light, you know, the light yeah. turns out for the evening or the, you know what I mean? Or something like that kind of, I know that might be a little cliche, but yeah, I was kind of surprised about that as well. There was actually a lot. I'm really looking forward to the, to checking mm-hmm. out the Blu-ray um, when this comes out on the fifth, um, because there was actually quite a few deleted scenes from this film that they cut. One of them, you can find it online if you're so inclined to, uh, to dig for it. But one of the deleted scenes, which I, I cannot believe they cut because I think it was wonderful, but it provided closure between Rocky mm. and Ivan Drago. Um, that that was one of one of the biggest crimes I felt to this film was that um, you know what I mean because if you think about it, this film didn't have right. any bad guys. There was not a villain really in this film. I mean, obviously, you know, um, the, the Dragos are the antagonists, but I thought they were so sympathetic, arguably more sympathetic. I felt. Than Adonis Creed and Rocky Balboa were because they were certainly yeah, fighting absolutely. for more. Yeah, yeah, their their story is very um, important. I mean, they are they are it's survival. It's absolute survival yeah. for them. Well, it was they were definitely the more yeah. tragic characters throughout this entire thing. And there is a wonderful scene um, th- um, that was that was unfortunately cut. I think due to due to time constraints, um, and it, it was actually very touching. It's where. Um, Victor is it's after the final fight and Victor is in the locker room just stand just sitting there um you know processing what happened um Adonis comes in Adonis sits next to him and Adonis looks at him and says you know you have to know I know what you're going through um but you have to know that you are more you are what does he say you are more than just mm-hmm. this one fight and we both are both you and I are more than this one fight and then as he gets up to leave Rocky comes in the room and Rocky looks at uh, Drago, and they kind of just stare at each other. And as Drago has his arm around uh, Victor, kind of consoling him, which I thought was extremely touching, they both just kind of look at each other, and they both say goodbye to each other, which is yeah, all yeah. we really need. And I, I don't know. I, I thought that was – and it was only two minutes. I wish they would have kept that in the film, but I would have loved to see some kind of closure between uh, between Absolutely. Drago and Absolutely. You know, I, I, I agree. I, I understand that uh, – you know, showing relationships and, and all that is important uh, to establishing character and everything like that. But I, I wish they had taken maybe a little bit of time away from from uh, from Creed's wife, uh, Bianca, and put it towards the, the Rocky and Dolph Lundgren, uh, Ivan Drago uh, story. Because, I mean, you know, we've waited long enough to see their story you know what i mean that's what we want to see more of that you know and we're certainly never going to get another chance you know yeah well and another scene that was actually filmed and they cut this one and i actually think it was they were wise to do it but it was um it was at the hospital and uh and and drago and and rocky do get into a uh, do get into a fist fight it's broken up very very quickly but they do get into a fist fight and i think i think the big reason why they cut that is because if they included that in the film then it would have been more a Rocky film rather mm. than a Creed film. And I mean, cause, cause if you really look at the film, if you really think about it, it, it kind of, it kind of does play like fan fiction yeah, yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, 
But I think if they would have left that that scene in the film, then it would have been just complete fan fiction. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And so um, I, I think Stallone was was on the it was of the opinion. You know what? This is Creed's story. We don't need to see any more uh, of Balboa, and we're going to focus on him. Which I do think that was a wise move. I will admit, though. That would have been oh, yeah. dope as hell to see. So, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe we still got that Blu-ray. Maybe there's a, a couple little shots or something. Um, <laughs> so, uh, what's your next puzzle piece? Okay, I'm, I'm pretty proud of this one. I, this one actually just came to me a couple days ago. Um, but uh, 2004's uh, Friday Night Lights. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna admit, I, I, I love that movie, and it, it seems like. Um, that film, I mean, it got a ton of critical acclaim when it came out back in uh, back in the fall of 2004. Um, but then when the show came out, the show kind of um, overshadowed it. And it seems like when you mention it, people, more people think of the show than they do the film. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but it, it's a, Friday Night Lights is, in my opinion, probably one of the best football movies that has that has come out um, within the past decade or so. Um but, you know, if you remember in, in the film, it's pretty much an ensemble piece where you have all, every character has their own little uh, their own little story arc that is going on. Um, but I thought one of the one of the most touching and the best story arcs in the film um, was between the Billingsleys. So if, if you remember in the film, uh, uh, Don Billingsley, who was one of the players for the team, he was played by Garrett Hedlund. And then his dad was uh, Charles Billingsley, who was played by Tim McGraw. And if you remember, um, Tim McGraw's character was, he was an alcoholic, but he had this, uh, this fame, his big, uh, his big claim to fame was that he got to play for the, uh, the state championship team. And so you have his son who is trying to live up to his dad's legacy, trying to live up to what his dad has left behind. And he's Mm. just simply not good enough. Um, and so at the at the end of the movie and his dad is just constantly berating him and beating him and upset that he you know cannot do that his son cannot do what what he once did and so spoiler alert I'm I'm sure many people have seen it by this point but at the end of the sure. film even though they do the the Permian Panthers is the name of the team um but at the end of the film even even though they do lose um his dad comes onto the field and consoles him and gives him his uh his ring Mm. Uh, and it it was it was it was it was a very very touching scene but it was pretty much his way of of letting his son know that you know what yeah you're not me you're actually better than me right and 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 i love you regardless i think that is granted while that was only one small moment of that film I think the I think the just the overall theme of fathers and sons and legacies and everything that is that is what is driving Creed two, and that is at the forefront of Creed two. So I, I just I saw those those parallels there between between those characters in Friday Night Lights, and I think it it applies most definitely to Ivan Drago and his son Victor Drago, but it also applies to uh, Adonis Creed and and his dad Apollo. Yeah, absolutely, uh, I I think it's funny, and and I should say I haven't seen Friday Night Lights since I think opening weekend at the theater, so that's why it's been a while, and I haven't I don't uh, recall it too well. Um, but I do think it's funny how uh, you know you said fathers and sons. And I had that exact note written for Star Wars and it's like Star Wars and Friday Night Lights, how it's such a great theme that it can run through so many different kinds of movies, you know? Oh yeah. It's, it's like just such a, such a universal theme and that that's why it pops up in so many movies and, and it's, uh, it makes for such interesting drama. Oh, and you always see this. I mean, you know, um, I, I'm a school teacher and I, I see this quite a bit as well, you know, all the time, you know, you have, um, you know, you know, and a lot of times it, it's it's inadvertent. I don't think I don't think fathers mean to do this. I mean, but let's face it, we're all human, and so we always want what um, we always want our kids to have what we could not have. You know what I mean? We we want our kids mm-hmm. to attain maybe what we were not able to, and so I think um, especially in terms of athletics. Um, not all fathers do this. You know, keep in mind, but I think in terms of athletics, many dads will will push their kids, especially their sons into doing something because they want, they want them to attain maybe what, um, what, what they could not, you know, previously. And, and I'm, I'm not a, um, a, a psychiatrist or anything like that, but that's just, 
kind of what I've seen. I mean, how many times do you see, <laughs> how many times do you hear on the news um, about uh, so, some parents getting in it, getting into it at a, uh, at a little league match? You know what I mean? And you think, well, mm. why in the heck would, why in the heck would, you know, grown adult men be fighting, you know, at their kid's game? And I think it, <laughs> it boils down to so much more than just, you know, just the rules. It's the fact that these are their children that are out there kind of, um, living they're they're living through their kids and you know putting all their hopes and their dreams into into their kids if that makes sense oh absolutely um for me my dad just wants me to do what he does so you know but (laughs) that's another story for another time (laughs) yeah but no see even still i mean he he wants you to follow in his footsteps right absolutely i mean so Yeah. Absolutely. Um, right on. Well, uh, my next puzzle piece, and and this is my last like fully formed puzzle piece. I have one more after this. Uh, actually, two more that are kind of kind of loose pieces. But um, and this one isn't a movie, um, which we sometimes do on the show. We have things that aren't movies. Uh, but you had kind of mentioned earlier about the training sequences and the extreme conditions. How this one flips it to the desert after the uh, cold of uh, was it Rocky Four or Three? I forget. Yeah, Rocky Four. Rocky Four was where he went. Um, he went to Russia. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. And he was he was, he was training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now we're flipping to the desert and uh, the, the slow motion uh-huh. with the haunting hip hop totally remind me of like Nike commercials. Um, and so that's my next puzzle piece: Nike commercials because you just get that like just real dramatic hip-hop beat and just like super slow motion training montages montages and all that kind of stuff and uh and they they just keep finding all these new ways to just make it look as hard and as as challenging and as big of an uphill battle as possible which i mean granted i couldn't do any of the shit that they were doing in those those uh those montages but uh but they sure make it look difficult even even for uh even for someone as freaking built as michael b jordan you know, and I will say that's one of the things that I feel um, Rocky Four has up on Creed Two are the training montages. Now, I, I thought the training montage in in Creed Two was spectacular. Don't get me wrong, um, but you know, when it comes to Rocky Four, and I think a lot of this actually is due to Vince Tacola's musical score as well. His music is just amazing, mm-hmm. um, and, and and let's let's face it, it's also complete you know eighties cheese ball, sure. <laughs> you great. know, stuff. Um, but those, those training montages are just so incredibly inspiring and, you know, myself included, I've spoken to other people as well, but there is no denying if you watch Rocky four, you cannot help, but just get up and get inspired to, you know, go, go hit the gym or go for a run or just get out and, and exercise and move. Cause those sequences are done just so well. And I mean, they, they are, you know, let's face it. They are pretty ridiculous. You have, you have Drago who is training in a, uh, in a, in a high tech weight facility and he, everything's being monitored. And then you have Rocky who's keeping it real. He's chopping wood and he's running up mountains. Like that, th- this is not a, that's not training that a professional fighter is going to be going through. Um, but man, it just uh, it, it 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 gets you into the moment where it's like I, I'd like to know actually how many uh, gym memberships were sold after uh, after Rocky Four came. I'm out. sure plenty, and and how many uh, Nikes were sold because uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you want to get athletic, right? <laughs> so uh what would your uh next puzzle piece be? well you know it, it's not so much a puzzle piece but i will say you know you made the comment earlier about how you, you question of whether or not victor drago could could continue the series or not and you know because he is so mean looking um but are you familiar with the undisputed series i've heard of it i've heard of it I, i've never seen those Okay, so the Undisputed series did something that, to my knowledge, is actually the the first time this has been done. Um, but back in two thousand two, I want to say, yeah, two thousand two, the first Undisputed movie came out with uh, Wesley Snipes and Ving mm. Rhames, and uh, Wesley Snipes is the protagonist, the good guy, and Ving Rhames was the uh, was the, was the bad guy. Um, and uh, they're, they're both fighters fighting in prison. Uh, when the second one came out, what it did is it took the Ving Rhames character who was the bad guy in the first one, but it took him and it followed him on his path and it redeemed his character. And so in Undisputed 2, and in Undisputed 2, actually, the Ving Rhames character wasn't played by uh, Ving Rhames anymore. It was Michael Jai White. Um, but what it did is it suddenly it made him the good guy 
And then he was taking on the new big bad uh, prison fighter who was played by a phenomenal martial artist, uh, Scott Atkins. And he played the character Yuri Boyka. And, you know, it, it was a great sequel. And then what they did, I just think this is this is fascinating, is what they did when Undisputed 3 came out. They took Yuri Boyka's character and they made him the good guy in the third one, uh, you know, and um, and they had him taken on the new big bad prison guy. And so this the series has been fascinating because it's been able to redeem um, the, the the villain from the previous film and uh, make them the uh, the protagonist and the the good guy. And I guess he's the, you know Gary Boyka is not a full on you know good guy. He's more of a kind of a a surly antihero, if you will. Um, but I thought that was phenomenal. So I think it could be done if they choose to go that that's route. That's interesting. And that that's great. Uh, what, what a great idea. And what a great way to do things that's just not the same old, just sequel, sequel, sequel. Um, <laughs> that's, re- that's really yeah. awesome. I love that. I mean, be- because if you look at uh, the Undisputed movies, they've done four of them now. And they're all, they're all pretty much the same thing. Um, organized fighting in prisons. But, you know, for, for, for a series as, as basic as that... Um, they have been able to um, spin it and and do awesome things with it. So please, if you have not seen the Undisputed movies, check them yeah, out. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Sounds great. Um, right on. Well, uh, so like I said, my my last two puzzle pieces uh, are a little a little unformed. Um, I, I couldn't quite connect movies with them. I have rough ideas maybe uh but the first one is a movie it is it's kind of a trope um but it movies where having a kid raises the stakes um and so you know one that i thought of maybe was eight mile but not really because he already had the kid but uh but uh you know, it's kind of a cliche and it's, it's been done many times before, but I mean, you know, as soon as Creed has the kid and has to go through all the hearing tests and all that kind of stuff, um, it, it, you know, it's an obvious, uh, device to raise the drama and raise the stakes, uh, for that. Oh, he really has to, uh, get his shit together. He's got to not only win, but not, you know, get hurt so he can be there for his family. Um, and, I, I've seen that so many times before in movies. Again, I was having trouble coming up with it. I don't know if maybe you have any uh, particular examples that you might be able to think of of that. Um, but but yeah, it, movies where uh, having a kid raises the stakes. And a lot of time it's in sports type movies and stuff like that. No, you're exactly right. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, this is a terrible example, but if you think about, <laughs> if you think about it, three men and a baby. Here you have these, <laughs> you know, you have these accomplished uh, um, professional, you know, men. Which I always thought it was kind of weird they were all living together at that age, but that's that's a whole other story. <laughs> but um, you know, yeah, but yeah, a, a kid suddenly comes into the picture, and they realize in a lot of ways, um, not only do they have to get their get their act together, but they have to really grow up. Because suddenly, um, you know, the, the things are more real and things are are, are much sure. more different than uh, than before. So yeah, I, th- I think that's a that's a that's a great um, observation. And, and actually, I'm going to when I do the uh, finished puzzle, I am going to include Three Men and a Baby just so that it can have been uh, represented on the history of piecing it together because we have never talked about it before. Um, <laughs> oh, sweet. Okay, well, well, get it on the list. Well, then all right, there, there's my. <laughs> It was my oh, fifth puzzle nice. piece and I'm done. So <laughs> nice, nice. So, uh, and, and my other unformed one, uh, is movies where, uh, both of a couple have their big, uh, entertainment related careers. Uh, so in, in this, we've got, uh, Adonis Creed, obviously as the, uh, the boxing star and his, uh, I forget if they're married yet in the movie, if it's fiance or wife or whatever, uh, but is Bianca and she is a up and coming singer and, uh, you know, the struggles that that brings between, uh, the relationship and, you know, the, the extra complications that brings the, the fact that, uh, that uh, they're both they both have these big huge public personas and uh, again a, a not a very good example maybe you'd have a better one but you you came through with that last one uh, but I was thinking of a star is born with the uh, where both members of the couple are both famous singers uh, in all the different versions of a star is born but again there's so much more to that story it doesn't quite work as an example of this uh, but I, I that was a 
this was a pretty big thing for this particular movie for Creed two is uh, Bianca's story as well being uh, uh, brought into the mix and, you know, further, uh, further adding tension and drama to, to the story. Yeah, no, no. And and how cool was it? I mean, it really, the, the whole story came full circle um, to where she was fully supportive of him. Um, but how cool was it that she is doing his, uh, his entrance, yeah. his entrance music when he, uh, when he's coming, when he's in Russia and he's entering the ring, she's doing his entrance music. I, I thought that was, yeah, that, that was, was a, a solid touch. payoff right there. That, that, that really helped to bring that whole thing together and make it, uh, make it worthwhile. I thought that was pretty sweet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right on. Well, uh, we are going to do the finished puzzle right now, and then we'll get into any of our closing thoughts. So uh, the finished puzzle for Creed 2 includes Rocky 3, Southpaw, The Sword in the Stone, the Star Wars series, Friday Night Lights, Nike commercials, the Undisputed series, movies where having a kid raises the stakes, and we're going to include Three Men and a Baby as an example of that. And then movies where uh, both partners of a couple both have big public personas, uh, which we don't really have a very good example of that. But uh, if you listening at home have an example of it, why don't you send us a message and let us know? So, uh, yeah, that is our finished puzzle. And we can get to any uh, closing thoughts we have. Uh, would you like to go first? Do you have anything you, uh, you know, wasn't quite a puzzle piece, but a thought that you wanted to uh, mention about the movie? You know, I, I I was just pleasantly surprised with it. I caught it twice in theaters. Um, this is the uh, this is actually now officially on on record the third time that I've spoken about it because I did a uh, when the trailer came out um, back in the full the first full length trailer for the film came out in September. Mm -hmm. I did a trailer reaction, with, which is actually kind of funny because if you listen to it all of my predictions are completely <laughs> wrong and completely off with how the film turned out. So I don't know if I'm going to do any trailer uh, prediction episodes again. Um, but then, uh, yeah, after the movie came out, I quickly did a, a Creed two uh, breakdown and yeah. And here we are today. I, I honestly, I'll say the same thing now that I said when the film came out, I think it is, it is a wonderful film. Um, if you're a fan of uh, of the Rocky series, especially of Rocky Four, you're going to like it. But even if you're not a Rocky fan, there is something in this film for everyone to to latch onto and for everyone to enjoy. Uh, me personally, uh, with Dolph Lundgren being uh, being my favorite actor, um, to see him back on the big screen in the film that put him on the map. I mean, not many actors, if you think about this, not many actors have had an opportunity like this, but for him to be back on the big screen in the film that, that gave him his start 30 years yeah. prior. I mean, I, I just thought that was, that was just so cool to see, um, to see him. And so, yeah, um, to see him on the big screen, I, I thought was great. Um, he pretty much, he gets the first scene in the film and he gets one of the last scenes in the film as well. Um, it is, it is action packed, like, uh, like its predecessor Rocky four is, but it's also extremely touching. I mean, the final, I, I, I will say the final five, 10 minutes of the film is a little too heavy handed with the, uh, with the father and th with, excuse me, with the father and son's, uh, whole theme. I mean, they're kind of, they're kind of laying it on pretty thick in mm. the end, but I'm not going to lie. Um, as a dad myself and everything, and I, you know, I'm, I'm incredibly close with my, with my dad also. Um, I'm not going to lie. I, I got teary eyed and I got pretty choked up at the end. It is, it, it is a wonderful send off. And, um, if they make this the end, I think this could be the, the best ending they could provide to the series. Absolutely. Absolutely. I got to I got to agree with all that. I mean, you know, I, I, I feel like Creed one was the better movie overall, but at the same time, this, as far as sequels go, this really lived up to it. And like you said, it, it's sequel to this and, uh, to, uh, Rocky four. So, you know, it, it's, it's, doing a lot of heavy lifting and, and it does a great job uh, and all count to that. And um, two, two little observations I just wanted to make at the end here. Uh, the first one that just kind of made me laugh is that no one is ever at Adrian's uh, in this movie. Um, it's always just Rocky just walking around by himself in there until someone else shows up. Uh, just, yeah. How are that, how is that place still open? That's what I'd like to I know. know. You brought that up on my episode. I don't know how that place I mean, is because no one is ever there. Now, granted, we're only seeing it after hours, but sure. and and 
and this is going to sound like I'm being mean and I'm trying not to be mean, but I honestly, you know, when you look at the character Rocky Balboa, I don't know if he has enough business sense to run a restaurant. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I picture it all being on just like scribbled notepads and everything, all of his numbers and all the bookkeeping and everything. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I don't know if he has the, you know, the business sense to, uh, to do that. But, you know, uh, then again, Hey, maybe a restaurant like that in Philadelphia would, um, would really soar. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the other, uh, the other observation, I, maybe I am completely alone in this absolutely ridiculous thought. Um, but about five minutes into the movie, uh, it, it was, you know, backstage and, uh, Creed is talking to Rocky and, you know, the camera's going back and forth. Um, and you're really just seeing Creed. You're not seeing Rocky. Uh, and then eventually the camera does pan over to Rocky and he's giving him advice and everything like that. For the first five minutes, I swear I thought Rocky had already passed. And we were we were hearing Creed talk to a disembodied ghost voice. Um, yeah. Did, did you think that at all? Or am I completely alone in my insanity here? I thought that I, I will admit no. So um, I thought that initially uh, upon when the when the film was first being conceptualized and put together, I thought because that that was the idea that um, was being kicked around. And I mean, they've been toying with the idea of killing off Rocky for years. I mean, I do know yeah. that in the original in the original script for Rocky Five, he was going to pass. And then in uh, when when Creed came out in two thousand fifteen, they they kind of toyed with that a little bit. But I think in the end. Um, he is such an iconic character that to see him, you know, go away like that, I don't think people want to see. I'm actually really kind of surprised, you know, going with the whole Star Wars puzzle piece. I'm actually really kind of surprised that they killed off Han Solo uh, right. like they did. <laughs> um, I think that was that was kind of a ballsy of them to do. But um, but yeah, no, I, I, I can see where you're coming from with that because I had that fear as well. Um, I almost kind of wonder if the way they played that scene, if they kind of did that to kind of let you know, like we considered this, but it's not going to happen. So (laughs) exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a little winking possibly. (laughs) Well, uh, right on, um, Sean, this was great. Uh, so as we've been doing lately on the show here, I always ask my guests for a recommendation. So if there's something you watched lately that you really enjoyed, could you recommend it to the audience and then also tell them where they can find uh, your podcast and all of that? Uh, yeah, I saw two films uh, recently that are um, both recommend uh, that I that I recommend, and I think they're both worth checking out for different reasons. Um, the first one is the one that's currently in theaters um, called "Fighting with My Family," mm. uh, the based on the true story of the uh, professional wrestling family. Um, uh, chronicles uh, the, uh, her ring name is Paige, um, but when she went into the WWE as like the next wrestler, it is really a touching, uh, funny, heartfelt film. Um, that, that, that is great to see as, as a kid who grew up watching the WWE in the eighties, it was really kind of cool to see a film, um, treat, treat the art form with as much respect as this film did. Um, so I, I highly recommend that. Um, I'm also a fan. I don't have a, a Jean-Claude Van Damme podcast, but I'm also a fan of uh, Jean-Claude <laughs> Van Damme. He has a film that's uh, been out for about a month now. That's, um, it's actually a, a French film, but it is called the bouncer. Um, and it's it's not very heavy on action, but it is quite good. Um, Jean Claude gives a fantastic performance in that one. Um, that one is uh, is on demand right now. You can check it out. But um, that one is great. Um, and yeah, if anyone wants to uh, to hear more of my show or to um, you know g- get a complete review and analysis of of any of Dolph's films from Rocky Four, Universal Soldier all the way up to the stuff that he was doing um, in the direct-to-video era, like Stormcatcher and, and Bridge of Dragons, and uh, we have Last Warrior. That one's going to be coming up. Um, but yeah, uh, check it out. We're on, um, uh, let's see, iTunes, Stitcher, and it's uh, myself. I usually have a guest on. Uh, David, you've been gracious enough to agree to appear on an upcoming episode, so that will be yep. coming out. And uh, if anyone wants to get in, to- in contact with me, uh, they can go to the show's website, which is I must break this podcast, all one word, uh, dot wordpress.com. Great. Sounds awesome. And I'm looking forward to doing your show, uh, hopefully yeah. next month. Most definitely. All right. Thanks, man. Cool.
This episode of Piecing It Together is brought to you by the Truth Be Told Hip Hop Podcast. Although a fairly simple premise, what makes the show compelling is the camaraderie shared among the hosts, Big UU, Rifa, and Black Todd. The casual and unstructured format of the show is akin to an organic conversation, the kind that hip hop fans usually have with each other with plenty of strong opinions and off-the-cuff rants and debates. Add it to the different backgrounds of each host, and what you're left with is a good and entertaining mix of personalities and perspectives all in one place. Subscribe now to the Truth Be Told Hip Hop Podcast on your favorite podcast player. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Sean Malloy about Creed Two. You should definitely check out Sean's podcast, I Must Break This Podcast, Um, especially if you're a fan of Dolph Lundgren, but either way, definitely check it out because it's really interesting, it's fun, and I'm going to be on it soon. We're planning an episode where I'm going to be watching a Dolph Lundgren movie that I definitely have never heard of before, but uh, I'm looking forward to checking it out and talking about it. So I will definitely keep you guys posted as to when that goes up. So that does it for today. Um, As always, please make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. You can also rate and review us on iTunes. You can follow us on social media at PiecingPod. You can check out our website, PiecingPod.com, and sign up for the mailing list. And you can join our Piecing It Together, a movie discussion group on Facebook, which is where a lot of our conversations continue. We love to talk about movies in there. We have all kinds of threads going on all of the new movies as well as classics and just any kind of movie-related conversations. We'd love to have you there, so join. And we also have a contest still going on ever since our one-year anniversary a couple weeks ago. Uh, If you can find all 28 movies in the puzzle pile up in our cover image, you'll win a $20 Fandango gift card. And I don't care how long it takes you guys. Uh, This could be a year-long contest. It is tough. I am not denying that. It's a tough contest. So go try your luck and see what you can do. Uh, With that said, I guess that does it for today. Um, We will be back with another movie that is on VOD currently, uh, Vox Lux. That's coming up um, next week. And then we're also hoping to do a Captain Marvel episode. I haven't recorded that one yet as of the time of this recording, uh, but hopefully we'll be recording it any day now. And we also just recorded one on an indie called Of Dust that is in some theaters now, but honestly, by the time this episode goes up, it might already be gone. It's a small one, Uh, but it's a great movie. One of my favorite movies this year so far. And I'm hoping that a lot more people see it once it hits VOD, because it's definitely one of those kind of movies. So that does it for today. What should we play for you? Oh, I got a good piece of music to play for you. This is a... uh, an instrumental piece of music that I did for a uh, for a photographer um, for like this boxing video. It's like kind of like a Nike boxing type thing. Uh, it's pretty sweet, you know, hyped up type track, and uh, it's not something that's available, uh, you know, to buy or listen to on any of the streaming services or anything like that. Uh, it's just something that I did for his video. Um, but I think it, you know, definitely fits with the whole Creed boxing montages. <laughs> and so, hey, I think it'll be a good fit for closing out this episode. So enjoy that, and we'll be back next week with more episodes of Piecing It Together.
and all points west.